Jesus, you are so worthy. You are so wonderful that you have actually called us to be your friends. And you've called us to be your followers, disciples. You have redefined our future, Lord, uh, just by us being able to say your name, Jesus. And I know what that means, that, that you are the Lord who has cared enough for us to walk alongside us, to, to be there with us every time that we've been in darkness. You've always been there. And that you have called us, you've beckoned us. In fact, there's times when you chased us down just to let us know that you love us and to wrap your arms around us. And so God, today, as we spend this time in worship, may we recognize how perfect you are and, and, and that you have everything that we need and that we do need you. And so through this time, may we hear your voice um, saying the thing that we never thought we could hear, that we, we are worthy, um, but only because of who you are. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Now please have a seat. And how are you guys doing? You all right? Yeah. All right. So uh, how many people, just a shout out, how many people uh, had something to do with uh, uh, and, and enjoyed a little bit the wine festival? Anybody at all? Anyone? Okay, no one's telling the truth. That's all right. You're not, you're not telling the truth. I know it. It's okay. It's nice to know where we're starting out in this morning. Yeah, we'll, we'll work toward it. Moment of truth. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. I heard a, I heard a joke uh, about, a, about one of a, well, it's a joke, so it's not a real guy, but his name is uh, Priest Gregor. <laughs> I'm making up a name. Give me a good name for a priest. Anyone got one? Priest James. All right, there you go. Ooh, that's a weird name. Oh, James, there you go. Priest James was driving home from the wine festival the other day, and, and the Paso PD, they, uh, they pulled him over because he was swerving in and out of traffic and went up to him and said, oh, Priest James, <laughs> that's a, which is concerning to begin with. Uh, Priest James, uh, Priest James, uh, uh, have you been drinking? And he said, oh, I haven't been drinking. I've got this, this wee, wee, wee glass of water here. It's just a glass of water. Don't, don't pay any attention to it. <laughs> don't say that to a police officer, by the way. So, uh, so then the police officer said, yeah, what do you have in that, that glass? And he said, oh, I've just been drinking water. It's nothing. And uh, he shone his flashlight down and he could see that it was filled to the brim with wine. And uh, Priesto James turns to the Paso PD and he says, Oh, praise Jesus, it's been a miracle. He's changed water into wine again. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Miracles are real. There you go. You know what that was? That was a courtesy clap. And that's really nice of you guys. So appreciate that. This is called grace, on grace. Do you know that Jesus' mir- first miracle was? I gave you a hint right there. Anyone know what it was? changing water into wine. Yeah, in the Gospel of Matthew, it actually says that Jesus went to a, a, a wedding with his mom, and uh, apparently he, he couldn't find a date, so he took his mom to his wedding. So that's, that, that, I've done that before. Uh, so um, he t- took his mom as a date to the wedding, and they ran out of wine. By the way, if you're having a wedding, one of the things that you don't want to do is to run out of wine. That's <laughs> generally kind of, wow, this wasn't planned very well. Um, so apparently everybody's had a good time, but they ran out of wine, and Jesus' mama says, Jesus, fix it. Come on, do, do one of your things. And so then Jesus, um, Jesus looks around for something that, that could possibly uh, contain wine that he could make. And apparently all he could see was six 30-gallon drums. <laughs> so, so he says, go fill those, those, those six 30-gallon drums up, up with water. So they fill it up all the way to the brim with water because maybe they thought they knew what he was about to do. So, um, so then he said, dip a cup in it, take it to the wine steward, and, uh, and have the wine steward taste 
taste what's, what you just pulled out of there. And this is what in John chapter 2 it says uh, happened. It says that um, when the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. Okay, but you kept the good wine until now. So apparently they're already drunk and Jesus uh, makes 30, uh, 180 gallons of wine. <laughs> Wait, you're saying that's not the Jesus I know. That, that Jesus doesn't make any sense. That Jesus is not the Jesus that I, I, I have followed in my life. Who kind of, what kind of unconventional Jesus is this? But actually, if you look at the miracles of Jesus, Jesus is unconventional. He totally, he, he totally does the things that no one expects him to do. And he turns the world upside down. And so today we're looking at a scripture. Jesus is just, in, in the scripture we're looking at today, as we look forward to vision 2020, the, the, the vision of what God might do in this church in the next three years until the year 2020, we're asking ourselves, what if we look at the miracles of Jesus first and then look at the year 2020 and see what God might do? So over the past couple of weeks, we look at these different miracles that Jesus has done in his early ministry in the Gospel of Luke. And we have found that he keeps surprising people. And the most recent miracle that he did was that he called a tax collector, who's basically a mobster or a mafia guy, to follow him and be part of his leadership team. Kind of a weird thing, right? So then this mobster guy, this, this tax collector, then throws a party, a raging house party for all of his friends, all of his raging house party friends to come. And these people who follow the law, who follow the Bible and do everything that the Bible says, they just follow every word of the Bible, say, I'm going to follow this. Those people go up to Jesus and they start to complain to Jesus about the way that Jesus' disciples are behaving. So listen to what they say to Jesus um, and um, these, these very upright, perfect people. This is what they say to Jesus. Then they said to Jesus, John's disciples, like the disciples of the Pharisees, actually, can someone uh, just pray that I can get this voice right? I'm trying to go for the like, you know, the Marsha, Marsha, Marsha voice. Do you know that one? That's what, that, I won't do it, but you know what I'm talking about. John's disciples, like the disciples of the Pharisees, frequently fast and pray, but, you're, you know, but your disciples eat and drink, Right? Anyone who's a parent who has kids knows what I'm talking about. The kids come up. It's not fair that I have to clean up my room because, you know, my sister or brother doesn't have to clean up their room. And you say, I don't care. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, so they're actually thinking they're going to come forward and tell Jesus something bad about someone else and make someone else look bad. But who do they end up making look bad? Themselves. That's pretty common, by the way, just a heads up. It's usually not a good idea to go and, and, and complain about someone else to another person. Actually, the Bible says you should go to that person if you have a complaint. Did you know that? It says you shouldn't go to another person. So they're already kind of not even really following the law, are they? Um, they're not that good at it, apparently. So then it says, Jesus says this. He says this to them. You can't make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them, can you? So Jesus is saying that he's like the, he's, he's the bachelor at a bachelor party. Um, you can't make wedding, wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them, can you? The days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. So when my brother told me that he was getting married, he also said, will you be my best man? And then he said, uh, part of the duties of being the best man is to throw the bachelor party. 
So the minute I found out that he had found his bride, the person that he was madly in love with, I was so excited for him. And I knew that his friends were coming in from all over the country, so I was thinking about what to do for his bachelor party. And I had two extremes that I could go. It it was going to be extreme if I was throwing the bachelor party, okay? So the first extreme is I could take all of the bachelors and and Graham, and we could go to the library, and we could fast and pray, and we could check out different versions of the Bible, you know, and just see how they're different, you know, and just read them back and forth to one another, and prepare our hearts for the marriage that was to come. Or the other extreme is I could take him out on the town for the craziest, most wonderful night of his entire life with big fat steak dinners and everything else you can imagine. Yep, you guessed it. I did the other one. I did that one. And um, unfortunately, by the way, side note, this isn't in the manuscript, so I'm not sure I should tell this. But it was the night before his wedding. And and if you look at any of his wedding pictures, he's green in the face. (laughs) So uh, he doesn't look very happy. So um, I did a good job. Um, Just saying. Uh, So Jesus is saying, if you find out that someone's about to get married and you are part of the wedding party and you are going to be invited to be a part of this celebration, I hope that you don't show up to just just criticize. I hope you know that the things that are going to happen are a little bit unconventional. They're a little bit out of the ordinary. They are going to be the kinds of things that you probably shouldn't repeat. (laughs) No, maybe not that. But Jesus is saying that it's going to be extraordinary the behavior of people when they're around and part of the wedding party of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm, I want to be a part of that party. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, they're, they're part of my wedding party. So uh, I, thanks for the tip on us going to the library, but it won't be happening. Then Jesus, it says that Jesus also told them a parable. No one tears, this is interesting, interesting. No one tears a piece from a new garment and soles it on an old garment. Now, by the way, first, before we go further with this, that is just bonkers. Who would take a brand new outfit, cut it up to, to, to then take pieces from the brand new outfit and put it on the old, old outfit? But Jesus is going to tell you why it's bonkers on a couple of levels right now. So it says, who does this? I, that was one, message, I, one title I was thinking would be good for this, uh, for this sermon. Who does that? Can you just say that with me? Who does that? Let, who does that? So, okay, here you go. No one, who does that? Who, pair, who tears a piece of a garment and sews it on a new garment and sews it on an old garment? Who, who does that? Help me out with that. We'll try it again. Otherwise, the new will be torn and the piece from the new will not match the old. Who does that? Exactly. Who does that? So Jesus is saying this. He's saying, okay, this is going to date me a little bit. Um, young people, you don't know what I'm talking about, but you, I just want to say, I, I never thought I'd say this, but you have life easy if, if you're a young kid. I just want to say, and this is why. Because in the old days, when you used to go buy jeans, there was never such a thing as pre-shrunk jeans, ever. All of the jeans were, were like unpredictable sizes, so you would go shopping for jeans, and then you would bring them home. And there was, I think some stores actually said, oh, you've washed them? Sorry, you can't return them, <laughs> which didn't make any sense. But so you would wash the jeans, and they could shrink anywhere from two inches to three inches based on, you know, whatever store you bought your jeans from. I remember we would go to like, you'd, you'd go to like a Banana Republic, and they'd say, yeah, people bought jeans back there. Then. So, okay, so you go to Banana Republic, this dates me too, right? So you go to Banana Republic, you'd buy the jeans, and you'd say, oh, well, their jeans don't shrink as much as theirs these guys' jeans. It's because the new cloth, the new cloth shrinks. 
Someone's saying, where's he going with this? So in the Gospel of Matthew, it has the same story of Jesus telling this parable. And it says that the reason that you shouldn't do this is because the new cloth is going to shrink. The patch over the old cloth is going to shrink when you wash it. And it's going to rip into pieces. The new cloth will rip into pieces and, and the old cloth will not be patched. And do you know what Jesus also says in this passage? He also says, I like this. This is my favorite, favorite reason not to do this. He says this. He says, otherwise, he says, and the piece from the new garment will not match the old. He's a style consultant. He's actually saying, that's going to look really dorky. It's going to look really tacky. Don't do it. It's true. Jesus has style. He says, it will not match. That's the reason. He wants matching things. He does. He does. Belt and shoes. I'll teach you later. Thanks, Thanks, honey, for teaching me that. Do you know, do you know how, how many people think they can take the new stuff and they say, oh, there's something new. There's something new. And what we're going to do is we're going to take that new thing and we're going to take it over here and we're going to patch the old thing with the new thing. The new thing they think is going to be a solution to the old thing. And what Jesus is saying, when you take that new thing and you say, oh, here's the new life, I'm going to use that to fix the old stuff, you're actually going to end up destroying the new life and you're also going to end up destroying the old stuff. That it's just going to be total destruction and it's going to look dorky. So he's saying, you don't take these new disciples who are passionately, madly in love with Jesus Christ, they're passionately in love with Jesus, and you don't take them and you don't shove them into this new system. You don't take a bunch of fishermen and tax collectors right? And then expect them to start fasting and praying right away. That just doesn't work. It's going to be clunky. It's not going with the flow and it's not, it's not healthy. You know, this is something that kind of stood out to me. And I'll just throw up this little quote for you to follow. It's going to kind of a fill in the bank, fill in the blank. What's wrong with your life is not someone else. What's wrong with your life is not someone else. A lot of times people think that the holes in their life are there because other people haven't come in to patch them. They think that the problems or the gaping incongruities in their life are, are, are something that someone else has the responsibility of fixing. And that if they could just get that new person or that new life to come in, they could fix that. Now, I've never seen that at this church before, but I do know it's something that can creep into churches. Oh, there's someone new. We're going to have them come and, and fix and make things better as we're looking forward to the future in the year 2020. If you're new, don't worry. We're not going to let that happen. Because Jesus is saying new things need new stuff and new things have new life and new ideas and new visions. And they are going to define and create the future. That is where the future is going to be. Listen to how Jesus goes on with it. And I'm sorry, it's about wine again. Uh, But it's wine festival weekend. So this is it. Clearly you're all fans of wine festival weekend. (laughs) Do you vote? Um, I mean, oh, it's okay. It's all right. Um, He says this. Are you ready to say who does that in a second? You guys ready for that? Okay. He says, and... No one puts new wine into old wine skins. Come on. Who does that? Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. There's nowhere to say who does that there. Sorry about that. 
Do you get what he's saying? Did you know that, did you know that, okay, so the way they used to make wine, and they still kind of do, is, is they mash the grapes, and then the grapes ferment a little bit, a lot. They start burping and making tons of gas uh, because it's alive, it's vibrant. And then once that process has happened, then they, they would put it, in the old days, they would put it into these leather, new leather, right? So new leather is stretchy and it, and it moves, but if they'd put it into an old leather wineskin, then it would break. Okay? So they put it into a new leather wineskin that was flexible. And, and Jesus is saying, who takes new wine that's vibrant and full of life and is expanding and, and getting bigger and puts it inside of an old thing or inside of a rigid thing, inside of a rigid construct? So here's an idea. When they, when they make wine now, they don't take the wine and they don't, they don't put it right into the bottle to do the fermenting. Otherwise, what happens to the bottle? the bottle would explode. It would be dynamic because the life inside of that bottle was so intense that it has the power to explode the bottle. And um, years ago, they didn't know how to, this is kind of a side note. <laughs> Sorry, there's a lot of them. But they would ship, ship champagne and they didn't know how to contain it. So champagne was like a very dangerous drink to transport years ago because it, bottles would just be exploding all over the place. And so... Um, <laughs> So, because because they didn't know how to contain the life, the continual fermentation that was going on, they couldn't stop the the life from growing inside of that bottle. Jesus is saying, "Don't take that new thing and try to put it inside of the old thing, because it's only going to explode it. It's going to break the old thing. You need new wineskins. I wonder what for our church new wineskins would look like. Wonder what our worship space. By the way, have you noticed? Let me see. Let me look around here. I think I can count twenty open chairs. Probably twenty open chairs. Do you know what that means? We got to start thinking about some new wineskins around here, don't we? Sorry, not a problem. My job is to create the problems and for you to figure them out. How's that sound? (laughs) Actually, thank you, God, for creating these problems. You see, some new wineskins might be in order. If there's new people here, we're not going to put you in an old small group. No, we don't do that because we know that doesn't work. We're going to put you in a new small group. Awesome, vibrant, new small group. We're going to have some, some awesome people that walking alongside you to make sure that it just is so much fun. And, uh, and one of the things that is fascinating in this passage, if you can go just back to that scripture I showed just a second ago, I just want to focus on the end of it where it says that Jesus says these words. One, one slide back, if we can. Oh, maybe... There we go. Do you see the last words there? And no one after drinking old wine desires new wine, but says the old is good. No one after, no one after having uh, Firestone uh, Luponic ever wants Natty Light ever again. It's true. It's just true. I'm just trying to speak truth in here, people, okay? <laughs> Sorry. No, that's not meant... Anyway... No one, after trying the good wine, wants to go back to the old stuff, to go to the bad stuff. And notice I didn't mention a couple wineries because I'm very political like that. Do you get that? <laughs> so, <laughs> so the idea here is Jesus says, you don't want to let go of the good thing because, because it's so good. But do you know one of the biggest problems in moving forward in life you know, is that people are not willing to let go of good things because they're so attached to good stuff. 
You know, because they think that the good stuff is so good, they can't let go of it. You know, someone came up to me at the beginning of the series and after the worship service, they said, I think that the real message of this series is letting go. And I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think they're right. I think that you really can't move into the future unless you're ready to let go of those things that you think are so good. This is what Jim Collins, who wrote a book called Good to Great. If you, heard, you ever read that book, it's a great book. I recommend it. It's, it's amazing. These are the first paragraph. You can get the whole message of the book in the first paragraph. This is what he says. Good is the enemy of great. And that is one of the key reasons why we have so little that becomes great. We don't have great schools principally because we have good schools. We don't have great government principally because we have pretty good government. Few people attain great lives in large part because it is just so easy to settle for good life. The vast majority of companies never become great precisely because the vast majority become quite good and that is the main problem. The biggest problem in your life may be that you have something really good in your life and God wants you to let go of that good thing and to start over again, to walk away from that, that wine, that thing that has become good in your life and to say, no, you know what? I think I can go and experience a dynamic, vibrant fellowship as I walk alongside new people who are exploring their faith for the first time. I absolutely love our Finding Faith class. We had it in a Royal Robles winery and it's the weirdest, coolest thing I've ever done in my life. I love it. And there's so many questions and it's so dynamic and so beautiful. If, would you all just pray tonight for that class because we are gonna be asking people if they would like to be baptized or if they'd like to join the church. That's not the reason if we do the class, but if they would like to, it's, I know that people, God is working in people's hearts and minds. And also, I just want to say, by the way, one of the things that, that, that I think that stagnates us as individuals is that we get so stuck on, hey, you know what? Things are good. If I shook your hand today and said, how are you doing? You say, I'm good. Well, I hope, that, I hope that I would have the courage to say to you, I don't want good. I don't want good. I want great. And I want lies either. I want truth. But I want great. And sometimes you have to let go of the good. And so what I'm inviting you to do today is to soften your heart and to receive Jesus. And I know that sounds so cliched because you've heard it a million trillion times before. But Jesus doesn't say that you need a, a big barrel of faith. He says you just need a mustard seed of faith. And that when that mustard seed just, just combines with a little soil and, and sunlight and water and life takes place, did you know what happens to that mustard seed? It grows into the biggest of all trees. And its, it's, its roots are so powerful it can dig through dry dirt and through hardened soil that, that places other things couldn't grow. This giant biggest of all trees. Now, do you want to hear the report that Jesus sent to his disciples, to the disciples of John? Just only a chapter later in Jesus' ministry, this is what it says. It says, Jesus sent a report to John and John's disciples. And this is the report. And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. <clears throat> Remember this? The, li- the lame walked. We just studied that two weeks ago. <clears throat> Three weeks ago, we studied the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. You see, if we want a vision for the future, we just have to look at this vision and realize that this doesn't just have to be the story of the past. It can also be the story of the future. It can be the story of what God will do in our church and in the days to come. So that when this little baby, he grows up three years from now, what is this church going to look like? 
What are our children's ministries going to look like? Is there going to be anyone down there from here telling, telling him about Jesus, how much Jesus loves him? Giving him that mustard seed so that maybe someday, years, from, years later, he'll say, I'm ready to be baptized. Next week, we are doing baptisms, and I just want to encourage you, if you'd like to do that, please meet me in the cafe afterward. If you'd like to, if you'd like to rededicate your life to Christ, you've already done it before, but you feel like it's time for a fresh start for the year 2020, talk about that with me after the worship service. And if you'd like to, you've already been baptized, you feel like you're already committed to Christ, but you want to be a part of this vision of this church over the next three years, please visit me in the cafe. And I'd just love to pray with you about anything that, that you have on your heart. Please, would you stand as we pray together and continue worshiping? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this gift that you've given us of the vibrant, dynamic life that, that is so strong that it can and tear through soil and dig our roots deep down. It's a dynamic life that can explode bottles. It's a dynamic life that can't fit into rigidity and cannot fit into old dreams. What you're calling us into, Lord, is new dreams, new visions, new miracles, not like the old ones, but, Lord, dynamic and vibrant and the kinds of things that will, will change the world and change lives and families and rescue marriages. And so, Jesus, we do pray for this, this stirring of your Holy Spirit in our midst. And we pray that you would continue to grow us and challenge us. Help us to be not afraid to say no to the good, to walk away from that thing that we've tasted and, and seen that we, we feel is just good because, Lord, we know that you call us into something that is great. Lord, help us to figure out these new wineskins, but to know that it's all in your hands and that our only call is to walk forward one step of faith after another. Lord, we thank you so much. We stand before you today with open hearts, open and receptive hearts to what you would have for us.